Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So now we welcome onto the Swarmcast Chris Murray of the Nevada Sportsnet. No, that's not Chris Murray, the Iowa basketball player. Um, This Chris Murray has been covering Nevada athletics for over 20 years. So he knows, you know, honestly, just about everything when it comes to the Wolfpack football program and anything Nevada athletics. So we decided to bring Chris on to the show today to preview Saturday's game against the Hawkeyes. So let's dive into it. Chris, first of all, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Doing great. It's uh, obviously this past week for the Hawkeyes and obviously for Nevada too, didn't didn't end up in a uh, positive way. But with this week, it it's, it's an intriguing non-conference matchup. I think there are two teams that you know, Iowa, a lot of expectations going into this year. Nevada, I think it was probably more mid-Mountain West, um, you know, middle of the conference. But it should still be a pretty pretty intriguing matchup. And, you know, no one else to bring on – better to bring on to the podcast than you, Chris. So before we dive into this Nevada team, obviously this offseason they hired a new head coach in Ken Wilson. But it's not your typical head coach. It's a guy that's been there for a long time but has made other stops along the way too. So, Chris, before we dive into this team, what can you tell me about Ken Wilson and what made him the right pick for this head coaching job this offseason? Well, I think the first thing was just the loyalty and the fact that there was a belief that he would stay at Nevada and build because the Wolfpack has had uh, some difficulties retaining high-quality coaches. Uh, three of their last four basketball coaches – left to go to the Power 5 level, uh, first with Trent Johnson at Stanford, and then Mark Fox at Georgia, and most recently Eric Musselman to Arkansas after he led the Wolfpack to a Sweet 16 season. He's been to back-to-back Elite 8s with Arkansas, and then Jane Norvell in football left Nevada to go to Colorado State. It was the first sitting Mountain West coach to go to another Mountain West school. Um, so that was kind of unprecedented. And I think they uh, you know, kind of got tired of continually getting burnt by losing coaches to other schools uh, that's the reason why in basketball they hired Steve Alford and gave him a 10-year contract but in football they were looking okay who's the guy who's going to stay here and build and is not going to leave for the next big job and I think they think that is the person in Ken Wilson Ken Wilson is 58 years old so he's a little bit later in his career uh, he spent 24 years at Nevada he came in 1989 to be an assistant coach for the Wolfpack when Nevada was an FCS school uh, he coached with the Wolfpack all the way through 2000. In 12, he actually sat down as a coach for five years to serve in athletic administration with Chris Alt. He's a Wolfpack uh, Hall of Famer. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame as a coach and um, kind of was Coach Alt's right-hand man. And Coach Alt still has a big, uh, you know, impression on what Nevada does athletically. He still lives in the area and 
um, you know, is the inventor of the pistol offense and is beloved. And, you know, he really vouched for Ken Wilson as somebody who could do this at this level. Uh, in 2012, he left to go to Washington State after Coach Alt had kind of stepped down and resigned from his post and was at Washington State for six years and Oregon for three years. The last year as a co-defensive coordinator for the Ducks, he was actually offered the Montana State job prior to uh, last season and turned that down with the hope that he could maybe one day get an FBS head coaching opportunity. So that came up at Nevada. And I think, you know, obviously for him, it's been a dream job for a long time. His uh, wife was born and raised in Reno. She was a Wolfpack cheerleader. Uh, his son played for Nevada as a walk-on long snapper who eventually earned a scholarship. Uh, both his uh, son and daughter went to school here from elementary to middle school to high school. So he really cares about Nevada and the area and Wolfpack football and um, you know, I think that's why they kind of pinpointed in on him as somebody who would not only be able to build a winning program, but if he did have success, he wouldn't be lured away by the, you know, first uh, other job that was offered to him. And, you know, he's really invested himself into the community and he has those relationships. Obviously, getting people into the stands is a big part of everybody's job nowadays to create revenue. And Nevada has had some attendance issues. So bringing somebody in who has deep ties to northern Nevada for 24 years also was part of the thought process on hiring Ken Wilson. What has been the big difference from Wilson's staff now to Norvell's staff? Because, you know, from, from a personnel standpoint and maybe just from, I guess, like the, you know, ethics or just everything, you know, that goes into coaching, honestly. Yeah, I mean, they're very different in terms of how they want to play football. Uh, Jay Norvell was an air raid guy. Uh, Nevada was top five in the nation last year in passing offense, and they were a second class in rushing offense. And that's not how Ken Wilson wants to play football. He wants a balance, but he wants to be able to run the ball first and be physical first. Uh, he runs a read option offense, very similar to the pistol offense that they run. Uh, ran under Chris Alt, and under Chris Alt, the last four or five years, they were always top five in the nation in rushing. So schematically on offense is a very different approach. Uh, on defense, there aren't as many big changes, but Ken Wilson has that defensive background. He was the, the youngest defensive coordinator in the nation uh, early in his career at Nevada, and then obviously had co-defensive coordinator title at Oregon. So he definitely puts his imprint, uh, you know, on that side of the ball a little bit more than the offensive side. And then you look at his staff, eight of his 10 uh, assistant coaches, uh, this is their first time being a full-time assistant coach at this level. So it's a young staff, it's a very inexperienced staff, but it's also a staff that he believes is hungry, um, is going to get out there on the recruiting trail and is going to be willing to work and build up Nevada and stick with him rather than going and getting a coach who's going to look at Nevada as kind of a springboard. I just got fired. Let me go to Nevada coach for a year or two, kind of revamp my uh, self and then go back up to, you know, a little bit higher echelon school because Nevada can't afford to pay at the you know highest levels, uh, even in the Mountain West. So, um, you know, th there's definitely been a transition uh, in how they want to play. And just the roster in general, I mean, they had to bring in 55 new players from the time Ken Wilson accepted this job. Jay Norvell went to Colorado State. He brought 11 transfers with him from the Wolfpack roster. Seven of them are starting for Colorado State, but did not sit well with Nevada fans. It'll be very interesting was received when he comes back to Mackey Stadium and plays in Reno about a month from now. Um, but th there's just been a ton of turnover on that roster. And I think this year, if Nevada can somehow get to a bowl, that's going to be a huge success because of everything that has happened uh, over the last seven, eight months in terms of, you know, not only playing a completely different scheme, but Nevada returned the least production of any team out of 131 at the FBS level. They brought back only six starters. And unfortunately, two of those starters got hurt in the offseason, one being an offensive tackle, Aaron Frost, a potential NFL player, two-time All-Mountain West pick. 
um, injured his knee in the first week of training camp. And then a starting safety, Joan Claiborne, injured himself during summer conditioning, kind of a freak accident. So they bring back only four starters from a team that was very talented last year. And uh, they're playing completely different style of ball. So I think people were really happy with the 2-0 start. And then they lose game three to an FCS opponent, albeit a very good one. And now the schedule is about to get much more difficult, and we'll see if Nevada can navigate that and somehow find a way to get to those six wins and, and keep its bull streak alive. It seems like their offensive system with the personnel that they have seems to really fit with what Wilson wants to do, especially with those two running backs. Who who are those two running backs, and what do they do so well that makes them um, such big contributors for Nevada? Yeah, I mean, the two running backs are the best offensive players on the team. Uh, one is Toa Tawa. He's a fifth-year starter. He's back for a second senior season. Uh, his older brother, Vi Tawa, actually played for Nevada uh, in the uh, late 2000s. He was uh, the running back when Colin Kaepernick was on campus here. Uh, he ran for almost 5,000 yards in his career. He's in the Wolfpack Hall of Fame. Uh, had a very brief stint in the NFL. Um, and he is uh, the associate head coach and uh, the running back's coach for Nevada. So, uh, Toa's older brother does coach him in his position, but um, you know Toa's just a very hard runner. He's you know five foot ten, about two hundred and fifteen, two hundred and twenty pounds. And then his backup, Devonte Lee, is basically the same size. I mean, he's more like five foot nine, two hundred and thirty-five, two hundred and forty pounds. So they're really hard to take down on first impact. Maybe they don't have the blazing speed that you look for, breakaway speed in a running back, but they're definitely very tough guys. They're able to you know to catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, their biggest issue the last couple of years is Nevada has not wanted to run the ball all that much, and the offensive line has not been very strong. And I, that's the case again in this season. Uh, Nevada is breaking in five new starters on the offensive line. Uh, you know, they averaged, uh, as I mentioned, the second fewest rushing yards per game last season. So um, I think the offensive line likes being able to run the ball more, but losing Aaron Frost was huge. Uh, this is a t- t- tackle who is going to be playing in the NFL more than likely uh, next year had he not suffered that knee injury one week into training camp. Uh, they had another guard, Zach Welch, who missed last week's game because of an injury. And for the first time, you could kind of see that offensive line exposed a little bit as Nevada kind of got behind in that game and had to throw the ball a lot. So if Nevada has to throw the ball a lot, it, it's going to give up a lot of sacks, a lot of pressures. They would prefer to run the ball 60 65% of the time, play action off of that read option, get the quarterback out on the edges. Like, that is their formula to be successful offensively. Uh, now, they did score a season-high 41 points last week, uh, and that's a very positive thing as they've toggled between um, quarterbacks and they're trying to figure out who's the best option there. But but certainly, Toa Tau and Devontae Lee can make some plays with their legs if they are given a chance by that offensive line. What is that quarterback battle or position like right now i mean i i was looking at this roster the other day and i was thinking to myself this has to be probably the tallest quarterback <laughs> room or one-two punch in the country but what what is that quarter what is the state of the quarterback room right now get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Everybody kind of mentions the height, and I mean, that's legit. Their uh, guy who started last week, Nate Cox, is six foot nine. Uh, he's in his uh, sixth year of college. He spent two years at Louisiana Tech, one year at junior college, and then this is his third year at Nevada. He backed up Carson Strong, the two-time Mountain West Offensive Player of the Year the last two seasons. 
His backup, at least in the last game, is Shane Illingworth. He's a transfer from Oklahoma State. He's six foot six, and Nevada actually has a commitment from a kid from San Diego named Jack Leatherwood, who's six foot ten. So uh, they definitely like their tall quarterbacks. Uh, Illingworth started the first two games. He was pulled in the second possession of the second half in both of those games, and Nate Cox kind of finished out the game. Last week, Cox started and he went wire to wire. And there was a you know six possession stretch where Nevada didn't score any points. I has a little bit of a banged up ankle, so that may have kept him on the sideline uh, a little bit in that game. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see both of them play. Uh, Illingworth is a little bit more, I would say, advanced as a passer. Uh, he did start three games at Oklahoma State, and they won all three of those games. He's put up decent numbers in the Big 12. Uh, Cox, is, despite being six foot nine, and he's the more athletic of the two. He's more capable of running the read option. He'll keep the ball, and he'll go around the edge a lot more than Shane Illingworth will do. Um, so I think he's a little bit more comfortable in that. Uh, he did have the benefit of being here for spring ball. Uh, Shane Ellingworth was at Oklahoma State during the spring, so he didn't get here until the fall. So he's a little bit behind on being able to run and execute the entire offense because he didn't have that full 15 spring practices, spring game, uh, all of those kinds of things to be able to lean on. So it's definitely a question mark on who's going to finally emerge between those two. I think they've both played okay this season, but neither of them have played great and just gone out there and won the job so um you know I, I would imagine Nate Cox starts this game but I would not rule out seeing Shane Ellingworth at some point who are some of those main targets on offense or the, in the in the air attack who are some of those guys out wide that they really try to hone in on or who are some of those top targets yeah I mean they lost a lot of really talented wide receiver uh Romeo Dubs is playing for the Green Bay Packers now Cole Turner who's a tight end but he basically played wide receivers on the Washington Commanders, so they both graduated up to the NFL. And then Mel Stovall and Torrey Horton, two starters, transferred to Colorado State. Elijah Cooks and Justin Lockhart, two very talented wide receivers, transferred to San Jose State. So Nevada lost its top seven pass catchers from last season. Uh, and only two scholarship wide receivers from last season to this year. So that position has been really rebuilt, and that has impacted how Nevada is able to throw the ball to pretty small and short wide receiver core, not many guys above uh, six feet tall. The top returner is a kid named Jamal Bell. He had offers from half to pack 12. He's also an uh, all-conference kick returner. Um, so he's their slot receiver. He, to me, is their best receiver. He's very, very fast, uh, really good when he gets some open space. Uh, they did bring in a transfer from Arizona, uh, BJ Castile, and he had a pretty big, good, big game against Incarnate Word last week. He scored his first touchdown, five catches, I think 75 yards. Uh, they have a transfer from Illinois, uh, Delavon Campbell, uh, who had five catches last week as well. He's six foot five. He's the only kind of bigger receiver in that group. Um, there's a kid named uh, Spencer Curtis, who was a transfer from Oregon. He was a walk-on with the Ducks. So they brought in some guys, but um, there are not any like, you know, threats that are going to break a game open like Nevada had last year with Romeo Dubs and, and Cole Turner and those kinds of guys. So um, it's kind of a work in progress, but, you know, number three, Jamal Bell is probably the guy to watch out for more in terms of, or most in terms of being able to make some big plays once he gets the ball in his hands. And uh, BJ Castile, number four, is also kind of their number two wide receiver at this stage. So flipping to the defensive side of the ball, it's it's a bit of an interesting story with this team. I mean, you give up 12 points to New Mexico State, you give up 14 to Texas State, and then you play Incarnate Word and give up 55 points. What, just, what has been the story? Like that, I was looking at that and I was like – what what happened in that last game? What what has been the big disconnect with those with those games, and what has been the big difference between those wins and those losses and that loss? 
Well, I mean, I think Incarnate Word is the most talented offense they've played. Yeah, it's an FCS school, yeah. but they're a top five FCS school in the nation. They averaged 40 points per game last season. Uh, they threw for more than 400 point, uh, yards per game last season. Uh, in their season opener against Southern Illinois, another top 10 FCS school, they put up 64 points. So that's a very talented group. And I think that was going to be the big question mark is when Nevada plays a little bit more talented offenses, how is it going to go? Because against New Mexico State, they create five turnovers. Um, so you're going to win most of the games where you have a plus five turnover margin. Against uh, Texas State, they created four turnovers. You're going to win most games when you have a plus four turnover margin because they didn't have any turnovers in that game uh, from themselves. And then against Incarnate Word, they get two turnovers in the first three offensive plays for the Cardinals. So they've got 11 turnovers in basically two games and two possessions, and everything is rolling great. From that point forward, after those first two takeaways, um, everything basically fell apart. They stopped getting those turnovers, and turnovers can be, you know, a little bit flukish. You can't count on getting four or five every single game. Um, so once those kind of dried up, Nevada just kind of fell apart on offense. The, the secondary, which is the strength of the unit, uh, gave up way too many big plays. Uh, Incarnate Word at 616 yards. That's the most Nevada has given up in a game since 2019 at Oregon when Justin Herbert was the Ducks quarterback, and they lost that game 77-6. to So, um, you know, the pass rush was very poor. It's a really rebuilt defensive line, so the secondary was hung out to dry. And Incarnate Word, which runs the array, ran for 200 yards. So the week before, they held Texas State to negative rushing yards. The first time Nevada had done that in a game since 2008 against San Jose State. And the pass defense was bad. The run defense was bad. Uh, Coach Wilson will tell you that they got up 17-3 to after those two takeaways, and they kind of eased up and thought it would be easy, and everything started to snowball on them. Um, you know, one of the touchdowns was a, a defensive touchdown for Incarnate Word. So, uh, you know, not to say that the defense wasn't, you know, good or anything like that, but, you know, you get uh, seven points off how much they actually gave up. So, uh, you know, I think the big challenge in this game against Iowa is how will they hold up up front? I mean, th this is playing a Big Ten team. Uh, Nevada returned only one defensive starter on its defensive line and linebacker crew, and that's a very good person. But will they be physical enough to be able to slow down the run after they were unable to do that last week will be the big question. So I think it just boils down to turnovers. I think if Nevada does not get two, three, four turnovers a game, they're going to struggle to stop teams because this is another unit on defense, just like the offense, where there's very minimal experience returning from last season. Who are some of those playmakers on defense? You mentioned the secondary. I know they have a couple of transfers into, and then up front they have a few guys. I think Dom Peterson was his name who has been – really good for them this year, but who are those guys and what makes them so good for this Nevada defense? Yeah, I mean, Dom's the most important player up front. He's a starter as well. He's a second-year uh, senior. He's in his sixth year in the program. He's undersized. Uh, he was the Southern California Defensive Player of the Year. He had like 25 sacks his senior season for a state championship team in Los Angeles, um, but he's barely six feet and he's 300 pounds, so he didn't have a lot of scholarship offers. But, you know, he stepped in at Nevada, and he's been super productive. He's top three in program history in, in sacks and tackles for loss. He typically plays defensive tackle. Sometimes he goes out to defensive end. But uh, this guy who makes a lot of plays, Coach Wilson did remark before last week's game that it's the most disruptive defensive line he's ever coached. And the reason I thought that was interesting is because he was on Oregon staff last year when they had Kevon Thibodeau, who was the number five pick in the NFL draft. So those are certainly high remarks on Dom's ability. But it's fairly easy to double-team Dom just because – there are not a lot of other players on that defensive line who are going to necessarily be able to create a lot of pressure on their own or, you know, uh, kind of hold the, the fort there. So 
Um, you know, I imagine Iowa has his name circled. And then you look at the secondary, uh, Bentley Sanders, he's a transfer from USF. He's in his second year at Nevada. He's got four interceptions so far through three games this season. Cornerback uh, Isaiah Sesema, a uh, transfer from Wake Forest in the second year at Nevada. He's got a couple of interceptions this season. Tyson Williams is a, a strong safety. making you kind of move all over the field, but uh, he's a very talented player as well. So the secondary is definitely the strength of this group. Um, there's some question marks at linebacker, which is a very young group. And then outside of Don Peterson, you know, up front, there's not a lot of playmakers on the defensive line. So that's, that's kind of, you know, how the, the defense breaks down and um, they've kind of been dependent on turnovers up to this point. And, We'll see if they can uh, create those against Iowa. So you mentioned turnovers and the defense and those types of guys and how they performed against those other teams, but I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of Iowa's offense this year and just yeah. how bad it has been. Um, if you're Iowa, obviously taking care of the ball is going to be important, but what are some things that you need to do well besides taking care of the football what are some holes with this defense that they can maybe exploit or what are some things that they Iowa's offense could do potentially to, you know, where where just where are the weaknesses with this Nevada defense? Yeah, I think they just run the ball. I think they could have a lot of success on the ground. I mean, you go back to last year, Nevada played at Kansas State, which, uh, you know, I know they're in the Big 12, but it's a team that's kind of big and they're built to run the ball. And Nevada, which was much more talented last year on defense and on offense and just overall, you know, could not stop um, that that rushing attack, Deuce on, and that's why they lost the game. So I think if you're Iowa, you line up and you say we're going to, you know, run the ball and maybe throw it ten times today, and, and we're going to try and win the game. I have been surprised that Iowa hasn't been able to run the ball at all. Um, I know their quarterback play has kind of been questionable in recent years, but for them to be running the ball for less than two yards per carry is pretty – mind-boggling uh so I, I would imagine that uh, they probably look at last week's film and they say you know we, we think we can run on this team we think we can be more physical and we think we can just you know ride our offensive line and running backs to to victory and not really have to put uh, uh our quarterback in too many positions to to make big plays and you know that that would be my game plan if i were going into this game for iowa is kind of limit the exposure to their quarterbacks and just see if you can win this game on the ground yeah, even if I was up by three or four touchdowns at half, which, I mean, would be more than they scored in the first two games, I think a lot of people would be would be really happy with that. But I also think if I was – if Spencer Peaches doesn't have a touchdown pass by the first half, it's – the torches might go up. Um, yeah. So you already mentioned keys. You mentioned keys to what Nevada needs to do, take care of the football, you know, stop the run. What is your prediction on for Saturday? What is your score, and just what do you think happens? Yeah, I mean, I think Iowa's going to win the game, but I think the reason that Nevada can be optimistic is because Iowa has struggled so much on offense. If if Nevada cannot turn the ball over itself, maybe get a big turnover, a big defensive play here or there, maybe get a big special teams play, if you can keep an Iowa team to, like, 17 points, okay, maybe you can figure out a way to make it a game in the fourth quarter, put some pressure on them. Um, put their quarterback in a position where he has to make plays. And I think that just comes down to Nevada's offensive and defensive line. I mean, those positions entering the season were thought to be some of the weaker on the team. Now they performed okay in the first two games. Coach Wilson was not happy with the physicality of the team in game three. Um, you know, I think Iowa wins this game fairly comfortably. I don't know, maybe something like a 24 to 14 or something like that. It's just 
you know, if they haven't been able to score against South Dakota State, and obviously Iowa's a pretty good team, um, you know, I think Nevada, that gives them some reason to say, okay, like there is a formula to win this game, even though we're 22-point underdogs. Um, you know, we, we've got to you know, win the turnover battle, uh, make some big plays in special teams. You've got to hold up up front. If I'm Nevada, I'm putting, you know, eight, nine guys in the box and you know, trust my secondary to, to play single coverage and to take some risk there that their quarterback's not going to beat you. And then, you know, offensively, uh, you know, whoever plays quarterback for Nevada is going to have to make some big plays, but they're going to have to establish the run. If they get into a mode where they're second and long, third and long, and they have to pass protect and Iowa knows they have to throw the ball, they're not going to be super successful because the offensive line is not going to be able to pass protect for three, four or five seconds. So, you know, I think for Nevada, if you can run the ball for 150 yards, if you can hold Iowa less than 150 yards, if you can be plus two uh, in the turnover margin, if all those things line up, you know, maybe you've got a shot into the fourth corner and you can put some pressure on them. Yeah, I mean, Saturday's Saturday's game has become a lot more important for Iowa. In my mind, I think a lot of people put this one on the schedule as an automatic win, and I still do think Iowa wins. But I think this Nevada team could, you know, make things interesting. And it'll be Saturday. Will be. I mean, I know a lot. I know a lot of people don't want uh, the uh, a replica of what happened last year against Colorado State, where they kind of came in and kept things really close but I think that could be this could be another game where where that sort of happens yeah I mean I wouldn't be surprised uh you know this this was one of those games where if you're a Nevada fan you're like okay well that one's a loss like we got to win the first three if we're going to make a bowl um right. I just think the way that Iowa started the uh, the season you know they're and and the way Nevada started the season I mean they blew out a Texas State team that's not a great team Texas State beat FIU by 30 points last week the week after Nevada blew them out um, you know, I think that was like, oh, okay, maybe this team can be a little bit better. And, you know, I think this could be a turning point game for Nevada if they're able to, you know, at least be competitive against Iowa um, and, you know, keep keep it interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how Nevada deals with the crowd. This will be the seventh largest crowd Nevada football has ever played in front of, and they've been playing football since the late 1800s. Uh, you know, they've played in big places before, last year at Kansas State, the year before that at Cal. They've got some transfers from Power 5 schools, so – um, you know, how will that, you know, atmosphere kind of impact them, either positively or negatively? Will it draw something out of them, um, you know, that maybe they didn't think that they had, or will it, you know, frazzle them and all of that kind of stuff? But, uh, you know, it'll be a big challenge for Nevada's physicality. I mean, not only this week, but then they play Air Force the following Friday, and Air Force is running for 500 yards a game, and it looks to be like the best team in the Mountain West. And, uh, you know, Coach Wilson said he wants to build his team and his program on being more physical. I mean, Nevada had some very talented rosters the last two seasons, and they fell short of making it to the Mountain West Championship game both years because they weren't physical enough up front, specifically on the offensive line, specifically being able to run the ball. So, uh, you know, I think it's a litmus test for Nevada's preferred style of play under Ken Wilson. And it's year one, and I think he's going to get a pass if Nevada ends up going 4-8 because of the situation he inherited. But you know, if he's able to go out and, and win a game at Iowa, that's not something Nevada's done very often. I think they're like three and twenty-nine in road games at Power Five schools. So, um, you know, it's it's not been very very often where they've gone on the road and beat a team of this caliber. But the way Iowa started the season, you know, I think they'll go into the game with some confidence that at least there is a way that if they played their best, they can win the game. I don't think it's like a hopeless situation. Whereas, you know, if Iowa would come out and scored thirty points for the first two games and looked as strong as they looked at points last year that you're like, okay, well, there is no formula for us to win this game. Let's just keep it close kind of thing. I, I don't think Nevada goes into this game thinking that. 
Yeah, most definitely. Well, hey, Chris, that's all the time we got. Um, I appreciate it again. And where can uh, where can people find you on Twitter and just anywhere? Yeah, it's uh, at by Chris Murray on Twitter, and then our uh, website is NevadaSportsNet.com. So we'll have coverage leading up to the game, and I'll I'll do my official three keys and prediction there, and the position preview between the two schools and some other stuff. But uh, that's where you can catch our stuff. Yeah, and Iowa fans, make sure to check out Chris's stuff. He always has. Great stuff on the Wolfpack, and you guys will want to know everything ahead of Saturday's game. Nevada Sportsnet will be the spot for you guys to go.